come a long way, friends, through thick and thin. But now the end is near. Now we face the final curtain. The sun has gone down. The moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. Yes, we have no bananas. It's the final episode of Destroy All Clickbait. Or is it? I'm Adam. With me are Ing and Avi. Once Hello. again, joining us. Hello. We're uh, also going to be joined later by uh, Philip Rice uh, through the marvel of editing, since this is actually several sessions kind of mashed together. Yay! <clears throat> so, Abby, good to have you back. <laughs> yeah. For one last time, apparently. Maybe. Possibly. We'll see. Yeah, we <laughs> don't, as I said, we don't rule out the possibility that some crazy thing will happen and just for fun we'll decide to do another one. Uh, but that's always what it's been, so... This is probably the last regular episode of Destroy right. Clickbait. Okay, so um, it's been an event. As I said, part of the reason we're winding down the show a bit is that it takes us so long to respond <laughs> to things and get them edited and out the door that people have forgotten all the stuff we're talking about. Uh, yeah. Case in point, uh, the, uh, the Blink-182 guy, Tom DeLonge... Uh -huh. um, Somehow... Oh, great music! This is my specialty. <laughs> Can you? Well, no, but it's not about music. It's about the fact that he somehow uh, confirmed the existence of extraterrestrials. Um, did you did you see the yeah, article? It's, it's a Navy confirms UFO videos posted by Blink One Eighty Two rocker are real. Yes. Um, which apparently he's, he's founded an... In First of all, the fact that Tom DeLonge, frontman of Blink-182, has founded a an organization called the To The Stars Academy of Arts and Scientists, uh, an organization to founded in 2015 to pursue research into UFOs and extraterrestrial life. So right off the bat, things are a little bit... Uh, that seems like a worthy use of your ungodly amount of money. <laughs> yep. All exactly. I I'm really for... glad that literally every other uh, historical problem that has blighted humanity has been solved. Yep. Thus freeing up resources for this. Indeed. Yeah. And yet, as, as rich people spend their money, that's sort of in the middle of uh, useless, like of the orthographic line that goes from like useless to harmful. Um, so, you know, there's that. Um, but then he released some video, uh, or some video was uploaded to the internet, which the Navy <laughs> confirmed is uh is unidentified aerial phenomena like they the navy literally said yeah we don't know what that is um now of course we fall into the classic trap of saying ufos equal aliens and yeah. ufos are merely unidentified flying objects of course right so yeah so the navy didn't say yeah those are aliens they said yeah that's pretty weird right <laughs> yeah that thing in the sky we don't know what it is they gotta stop. Hey, that don't go look wild, don't it? I'm Honest a high-ranking naval officer. Honestly, knowing what I know about the U.S. government at this point, it's just kind of like they probably knew what was up in the air. They just can't say what was up in the air. So, well, of course, yeah. Well, maybe it's. I mean, it's part of my personal space program to load some chew into orbit. <laughs> Well, I mean, it is the Navy. Maybe it was the Air Force trolling them uh, with their experimental aircraft. 
And Possibly. being like, ha ha, we've got the experimental aircraft, you don't. God darn also, it. Also, I Martin from The Simpsons. I'm in the Air <laughs> yeah. Force now. Well, I'm a guys... top gun. Isn't that funny? <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys were Cletus the Slack John Yokel as the Navy people for some reason. So why not have Martin in there? Hey, I did not do a voice. <laughs> I do yeah, not do a voice. This is just my natural voice. I swear. We're conf- yeah, <laughs> we're somehow <laughs> we're somehow confusing the the naval spokesman with the kind of people who normally report seeing UFOs. But this is this is literally a guy um, who reported seeing them. Um, and <laughs> there's also the the fact that you know you have to wonder is this a. Uh, what's the word, a psyop, where they're saying, as as you say, oh, they're not real, wink, wink, yep. to have, you know, to distract everyone from the fact that they're, you know, murdering JFK in the background or something? I don't know. Um, uh, well, probably not JFK, but, you know, God knows what they're doing up in the air. If it's even necessarily, like, the United States government doing something up in the air, it's possible it's some other country that's doing something up in the air, and the United States just shot it down. That's also an option. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I mean, this is, I think this is all over the U.S., so you kind of hope it's the U.S., but who knows? Um, there, there, There is, of course, yeah, go ahead. It could also just be some weird punk kid doing stupid shit in his backyard high enough in the air that some other punk guy just took video of it. <laughs> like, yeah, it turns out it was just a, f- yeah, we found out, turns out it was just a fidget spinner. Yeah. <laughs> a really no, this- big one. Turns out a- that's what fidget spinners look like on our radar. <laughs> it's a problem. No, I'm sorry. This is implausible. This would require civilians to have access to uh, little drone-like objects, as it were, that could fly autonomously um, without anyone's having a control over them. And that's that's too implausible. That kind of technology doesn't exist yet. Well, okay, crickets. Yes. Oh, no, they got me. Yeah, yeah, they got to you too, eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, no, what I mean, it is, in this age of drones, you have to wonder if that's explained the... Because you don't hear about UFO sightings that much anymore, do you? Or Yeah, as it was... As a friend on Twitter pointed out, hey, it's funny, since everyone started carrying around high-definition cameras in their phones. UFO sightings went way down, but evidence of cops being really racist went way up. (laughs) Who would have thought? (laughs) The only answer is racism is caused by aliens, obviously. (sighs) I, I was tempted at one thing, at one point, to make a satirical, uh chart with just the study results Bigfoot prevents police brutality. <laughs> Let's go into the chart of Bigfoot sightings versus the rise of videos of of police brutality. We need to Pointing out that as back. one goes down, the other goes up. We need uh-huh. to bring Bigfoot back. Where did he go? Come back to right. us. That's right. You have mortals, you have I have disappointed in all of you. That's why I must return to my home planet. And you must deal with the racist police without us. Without yep. <laughs> Bigfoot without me says and... fuck the police. <laughs> 365 billion dead yeti. I don't know. What? <laughs> you don't know that, that t-shirt? 
<laughs> there's a t-shirt, I think it was made in Asia, and which is why the weird English is on it, but there's all these things, it's like, born to die, life is a fuck, and it's like, <laughs> oh, I mean, I know life billion. is a fuck. <laughs> yeah. I, think I know life is, is a fuck. That is my family's uh, heralding <laughs> motto, and to which I'm seeking legal action that we have not been compensated. Yes, it's on they're, the Riley They're weird Asian shirts. They, have, they just have weird shit on them. Like, it's, all of the weird yeah. Peppa Pig stuff. Well, the best part is that it says, like, eight... 196 trillion or some ridiculously <laughs> huge number dead cops. <laughs> like, oh my god, wow. Like, and it, then it's got a very happy cartoon dog and cat at the top. <laughs> like, it's completely uh, random. Yeah. Well, because I know that those shirts are often like auto generated from just like random shit it finds on the internet, and that's why that came up. That specific I guess, line. But. I guess. But, like, just the number is, like, It's just weirdly larger. specific. <laughs> it's, and, it's, and it's larger than, like, the entire population of humans that have ever lived on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> it's the happy cat and dog that really make that meme for me. Anyway, let's talk about the toilet, uh, the, the gilded toilet uh, of Winston Churchill, which... Is the best part about this one is that the headline is "Solid Gold Toilet Stolen from Blenheim Palace, Birthplace of Winston Churchill," and it, which makes it sound like he was born in the golden toilet. It's <laughs> my favorite part of that. Um, I mean, that fits. I would believe that. Yeah. Was that there when he was alive? Like, is that a recent thing? Um, it was installed as part of an exhibition by Italian artist Maurizio Catalan called Victory is Not an Option, which only opened to the public on Thursday. So, no, it has not been there for very long. It was there for, like, a okay. few days, and then it was stolen, which is interesting. Um, I didn't know he was born in a palace. I knew he was a rich bastard, but I didn't know he had literally... Uh, he had literally uh, benefited from that level of wealth. Um, but it is England, I guess. It's, I'm sorry, uh, I also have to call that, even as an art piece, I was saying that it's apparently titled America, and the golden toilet is a is perceived as a comment of the social, political, and economic disparities in the United States. Oh it's like, God. fuck off, England! <laughs> You're literally putting it in the palatial... <laughs> In the literal <laughs> palace that your genocidal but idolized prime yeah. minister was born in. It's yeah. like, blow me so much. Yeah. You're literally imploding your entire economy because you're afraid of brown people. It was like, fuck all the way off. Well, I'm a little confused because, as I say, it's an Italian artist. And I'm not 100% clear on whether this is... Me meant to be complimentary towards the British, either. It sounds like it's kind of part of a larger, a larger exhibit that doesn't feels a bit sarcastic. I don't know. It's hard to say. I have to wonder if the theft isn't part of the exhibition. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's like that. Oh, like the Banksy shred sell shredding. Thing? Yeah, 
Well, self that was part of the action. Like that was obviously planned. There's an ec there's a an, uh, an well, issue. Well, that's what that's what I mean. Yeah, but well, but there's an issue. But I, what I mean is, like with the Banksy one, they literally shredded it in front of everyone's faces as part of the exhibition. In this case, it would be a secret one. There, there's a uh, there's a comic called Ex Machina, an, an early episode which dealt with politics. There was an early episode. There was a controversial uh, painting of Abraham Lincoln used the N word, and. Um, they didn't know what to do with it, and they tried to get the artist to take it down. The artist was like, "No, no censorship, man!" Uh, but they real, you know, she realized it was a it was a bad idea to have that painting up, and so she then dressed up and sabotaged her own painting with like paint bombs, and and pretended to be an anarchist breaking in to sabotage the painting, uh, so that she could get the notoriety of making the painting and the notoriety of destroying the painting at the same time, basically. So. That could be a similar situation, I agree. That actually sounds like a grift Milo or someone with, like that would pull. Yeah, well, if you have the means to make a gold toilet, you know. Milo would just steal the gold toilet. <laughs> he, he, would, he needs money, badly, from what I understand. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, have you heard about him uh, trying to be a furry? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, get... we will get to that. It was like, I actually... Yeah, no, let me tell uh, let me clarify. I think as an art piece getting the British to display it in Winston Churchill's home is fucking brilliant, but yeah. still fuck off to the British <laughs> for yeah. somehow thinking that they're well, not also the target of the joke. Yeah. Well, that's just it. I think it was like, "Oh, oh yeah, America." Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. It's like, yeah, he's mocking you guys too, you know that, right? Like your prime minister just looks like a bad clone, like a clone that went slightly off yeah. Trump. Yeah, exactly. The artist, com uh, like in describing the work, said, "When whether you eat a two hundred dollar lunch or a two dollar hot dog, the results are the same, toilet wise." And described the art as one percent art for the ninety nine percent. Okay, that's just okay. Now I don't like this guy. That's just a bunch of buzzwords thrown together. Uh, you, you saw that um that uh thousand uh, dollar pizza thing? Or what, how much I, was it? Wait, I have to clarify. I, I this is like a weird thing. Whereas we look more into it, Adam turns against it, and I turn more to in favor to it. <laughs> Because the art piece itself is more than just a golden toilet. Uh-huh. Like, the actual... Yeah, you're invited to go in it. Yeah, and the actual stall it's in is not glamorous. It's like a public restroom. It has, like, ugly faux granite plastic flooring, and it has a toilet... A double-roll toilet paper dispenser like what would be in a bathroom <laughs> stall. Okay. Yeah. So it is, like, inherently a contrast of having this, like, literal gilded toilet in, like, the crass surroundings. It's like, I, I, it vaguely annoys me that I actually see artistic merit in this <laughs> after coming in very oh, yeah. strong um, against it. I actually, it. I'm, uh, I'm on the artist's side here because uh, I saw a PragerU video that directly attacks it. So. Well, well yes, that's decided. Okay. Well, unfortunately, yes. It's a, the enemy of it's my It's one enemy. of those things, like, did you know that the uh, artist behind Piss Christ is actually a devout Christian? Or, like, a yep. believer? Uh, no, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, I and knew, the uh, I think same with the uh, with the dung Virgin Mary. Yeah, yeah she the... was definitely yeah. That was actually a valid thing because she was showing because elephant dung is sacred in uh, the African culture that she's from, and she was yeah. saying, "Look, this is a thing that's supposedly disgusting, but we consider it sacred. We're you know, look what do you consider sacred? Like that was a hundred percent valid, and it was not meant uh, to be a okay. The piss Christ yeah. one was supposed to be the idea that since uh, Jesus is like purifying and like. Uh, salvation, like, it makes things holy by having things closer to God. Right. That that should extend even, that, that, that it can make, like, the profane holy and beautiful, and thus it was supposed to be that in using this medium that is supposed to be, like, literal waste products to make something beautiful. Right. As a way to display the, the like, as a way of, to, like, honor and demonstrate uh christ's grace and it's like and honestly it, it only makes the like point or discussion about that more profound by the fact that so many people could not get beyond the idea that it used piss <laughs> yeah yeah it reminds it's also me a really beautiful image yeah. right and it, part of it was supposed to be yes it's piss but if like jesus blessed piss it would yeah. be good then exactly that, yeah. that's me like being vulgar about it but it's the yeah. Well, I, that reminds me, I had a friend, at one point I was with, uh, some fr we were all supposed to give a talk on like a five minute subject or whatever, and I had a friend, it wasn't school, it was something else, uh, but I had a friend and he basically found a photo of a dog's butt that looked like Jesus, like literally <laughs> the anus of a dog, and it looked, it had a Jesus picture, and he put, and it was online, I don't think he put it online, I think it was just online, and people were commenting on it, and there were lots of people going, how dare they, and I'm like, how dare they what, it was, you know, if anyone made this, it was God, so, you know, he's, he's there in nature. And that was the discussion that was coming out of it. It's like, it was literally just, they took a photo of it, and that was it. Everything else was being read into by everyone else, essentially. So, yeah. So that's I mean, kind of interesting. And it's the thing, it's like, okay, it's like looking at it, Piss Christ wasn't just for the shock value. It's like, hey, this is actually addressing a very interesting, in the terms of just um, uh, Christian uh, mm -hmm. mythology and theology this is actually a really interesting concept to discuss yeah yeah i didn't know he was a christian that is that actually puts a whole spin on it that actually makes it more interesting to me in, in many ways but yeah, yeah exactly. also it's yeah. weird because there's a huge thing and i mean the holy prepuce is a is a uh sacred artifact in catholicism yeah that's Which jesus's is... foreskin yeah the oh. the foreskin left over from christ's circumcision <laughs> Yeah. Okay. It's uh it's apparently it's there's miracles associated with it like there's there's been, you know. It's a the big subject of like it. religious visions from nuns that later became saints. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um there's a lot of wild stuff around that like there's been well, uh, there's one guy who claimed that uh Saturn Yeah, I was going to say Jesus one thing him. claimed it was the made into the rings of Saturn. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, I did not know that. Like in a Greek mythology thing of them yeah, yeah. throwing up the remains it's of just... the heroes to become constellations. Yeah, that's a very pagan a take on Christ. To be honest, like that's a that's the thing that happens in one in, of like, the ancient and myths. in one of the kind of stranger or more visual ones of images. There's like a nun whose name escapes me, but was um, canonized who. In her vision where she was married to Christ, Jesus p 
puts it on her finger as a wedding ring. Okay. And it's like, that's there! It's like, that that's part of church history. And, you know, that wasn't dismissed as something crazy. This was a thing that was like, oh yes, this is a religious vision. Huh. And, and does it have any special by powers? Catholicism. The prepuse, yep. as you say? There, there's various uh, powers associated with it. I, I couldn't name them offhand, but... <laughs> yeah, like yeah. old relics, you're going to get a variety of things. Fair enough. I like there the was. Yeah. There was like a joke even in Renaissance time that if all the uh, pieces of wood that were attributed to the true cross were genuine, then Jesus must have been twelve feet tall. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, there was there was There's a... a similar line on Buffy the Vampire Slayer where yeah. um, Spike said, "If every vampire was actually at the every vampire says he was at the crucifixion was actually there." would have been bloody woodstock yeah, yeah. and the, there was a there's a canadian show i might even have mentioned this before there's a canadian show that was an educational show but they did it by like showing different clips of quote as if you were flipping between channels but it was always tied into things and oh they right did, history bites yeah oh is that what it was yeah it was they were yeah. showing one they were talking about like pig, uh, relics in the middle ages so they had one and they were doing antiques road show and this guy was like you know, here's a, oh, I've got this skull. It's the skull. It's it's the skull of Jesus. It's a really holy relic. He's like, it's the skull of Jesus? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's the skull of Jesus. You're like, but he was taken up to, you know, he was supposed to be alive and resurrected. And, you know, he didn't, it's like, well, he left his skull behind, didn't he? He's like, really? There was a, there was a heavenly rain of bones. That's what happened. And he goes, well, if you don't like that, check out this one. He holds up a smaller skull and he goes, what's that one? Oh, that's his skull when he was a little boy. <laughs> Oh, that's his baby skull. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I remember really liking that show. Uh, yeah, it had um, it had a an episode on uh, Le Maupin, who was the uh, uh, French swordswoman, poet, opera singer. Oh yeah, she's uh, very interesting. Who had various affairs with men and women. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of her. Yeah, French, right? Uh, at one point, she uh, her lover was confined to a nunnery. Uh, yeah. female lover, and she, and, broke, uh, she broke in disguised as a nun and then burnt down the room and escaped. <laughs> yes, I've heard of her, yeah. There you go. May we all have such interesting lives. <laughs> and addicted to drama as well. There you go. Um, so let's... Uh, okay, so that one's done. Uh, I did really want to talk about the ISF party. Um, okay. The, did, you, did, you, did you see that one? Yeah. Uh, what's the I okay, what's the ISF? Uh it is the Ireland Simpsons fans political party. Oh yeah, I heard that. I was like, fuck it, why not? <laughs> because Steamed Hams twenty twenty. <laughs> exactly. Well, it is in fact, um it was a it was a very it's a very popular Twitter feed that's existed for a while. Um and they literally decided, okay, we're gonna register and, and their politics have always been very left. And they've argued that you know there needs you know they need a shot of uh, shot of energy for the left and you know if as they one of the things they point out is that um, Volodymyr Zelensky, the current uh, president or prime minister of Ukraine, uh, was literally on a, a t who is now embroiled in this scandal that we're all hearing about that may help impeach Trump. Uh, we'll see, but he was literally a. Um, uh, a com comedian and actor who was the star of a show about a regular guy who becomes the president of the Ukraine. And then he ran for office 
and actually became the president of the Ukraine. Oh yeah, I remember that guy. That was yep. weird. Well, he's the I president it, of the Ukraine. So Isn't the country just called Ukraine? Yeah, Ukraine, sorry. Uh, yeah. Prime Minister of Ukraine, not the president, sorry. Um, but, and they, so anyway, they pointed to this, ISF pointed to this and said, hey, if you can, you know, if a, a goofy television show can promote you. And I mean, if we're going to be honest about it, that's sort of what happened with Trump as well, right? I mean, he was literally the host of a game show uh, before he got thrust back into the national spotlight. Yeah, the game show basically made it look like he was a competent businessman, despite the fact if you actually look at his history, he well, he, he he isn't at all. So, oh no, yeah, no. yeah. Well, it was it was. I mean, Trump was known. At, it's it's apparently easy to forget. I didn't think it was easy to forget. My whole life, we've all known Donald Trump is terrible, but he was known in the '80s like he was very. He was always in the news and in the media because he's from New York and New York media dominates everything. And because of that, he was everywhere and everyone knew him and hated him. And then sometime around the mid nineties, he sort of faded back into the background and people didn't hear about him for another decade. And then he burst back on the scene as uh, the host of the apprentice. Yeah. Um, so, and as people point out, that happened partly because of, um, the writer's strike in the mid-2000s. Uh, so, indirectly, the writer's strike gave us Donald Trump. Uh, well, that's hey, hey, Do not blame the union for this. Oh, yeah. I'm not blaming the union. I'm just saying that was a weird... You know, I'm blaming NBC for putting him on the air, basically. NBC well, has a lot to be answered for. Yeah, and and I know the guy who said that it took a lot of work to make Donald Trump look good. Yeah. <laughs> Deeply regrets making Donald Trump look good, but yeah. he still made Donald Trump look good, so... <laughs> well, it's really bizarre. You also can't actually narrow down who, which person it is specifically who's saying, yeah, I worked to make Donald Trump look good and deeply regret it, because there's multiple people yeah. who have had that job and have said that. There was a specific producer of the show who but you know, who, who said that. I forget his name, but there was a very specific executive producer of the show who was like, yeah, it took a lot of work to make him look competent, and we're sorry. But, but you know, it's really weird, though, because NBC does have a bizarre fixation on Trump. Like, they let him host Saturday Night Live. Uh, of course, famously, he was on Jimmy Fallon. No, I... No, th it's not outrageous. Like the CEO of NBC read the art of the deal, and that's why he and was like fucking enamored with it, and that's uh. why he wanted to make The Apprentice because he didn't know that the art of the deal was heavily ghostwritten by somebody else. All of these, this entire genre of books, and technically all of the self-help genre, can yeah. be traced to one guy in the twenties and the Gilded Age. Really? Who's yeah? Who's job? Yeah, he wrote the first one of these called, I believe, uh, "Think Your Not Think Yourself Rich," but it's like something like that. Um, the power of positive thinking? No, that was no, no. Power. This was the power of positive thinking was based on uh, that, and, and uh, his name was I shit you not Napoleon Hill, <laughs> <laughs> and oh god. Nice. His well, profession was con artist. Oh. His pre... Like, he had he had never 
really worked an honest day in his life because any honest job he had was either done via, gotten via confidence work or he quickly spun into a scam. Mm. <laughs> he had four wives in his lifetime and not, and multiple children, none of which by the time by his elder years wanted anything to do with him not and would gladly publicly denounce him because he leached off uh, family members uh-huh. um and his previous scam was yeah and was writing a well the scam with the book is he claimed he had been commissioned by Rockefeller to go and talk to all the successful people and find the secrets to success to share with the common people. Mm. Uh, he had never actually spoken to Rockefeller. You don't not. say. No. Yeah, it was, it's all blatantly bullshit, but it is the source for what became the power of positive thinking, which became the secret, which became Christian libertarianism, which became prosperity gospel. Hmm. And it all comes down to one con artist who, whenever he got a con that made a lot of money, because this book made a lot of money, oh, he sure almost did. immediately blew all of it on prostitutes. Of course he did. Was I'm wondering, is this the same guy who, because it was done multiple times by different people, was this one of the same people who happened to sell the Eiffel Tower? No, he was okay. never that successful of a con man. Okay. It seems like because the Eiffel Tower has been sold at least the, twice. There's a good two part of behind the bastards on him, okay. the podcast, okay. and which is why it's fresh in my mind. But he seems like unable to help himself running cons, even when he manages to con himself into a position to which he could simply. Yeah. make legitimate money or at least you know at if not legitimate legally uh-huh. he, he was but he, he was... seems compelled to either burn it all on uh basically fine dining and loose women uh-huh. or just roll it into the next scheme so that he is congenitally bankrupt so oh, and God. burning Wait, every you're saying bridge. a congenitally bankrupt guy who claims to be a genius businessman who <laughs> can't help but doing corrupt things no matter what. That's a very implausible character you're describing, Barry. And yeah. I don't think such a person would ever exist and certainly would the never least, become president. The least plausible thing about his life is that all of his misdeeds basically eventually came back and bit him and he died penniless and without any family who would piss on him if he was on fire. Oh my uh-huh. god. Yeah, his fourth wife was also a con artist and married him as part of a con and <laughs> took all his money. Oh my god, <laughs> wow. That's, a, that's oh, a special wow. kind of She karma. was also the co-writer of his second book and apparently very likely the source of anything legible about it, so... Ah, okay. But, yeah, all of this I was just gonna ask com- if he It thought- all comes from one con man who, even when he successfully cheated his way into a fortune, could not keep it. Oh, <laughs> God. I was just wondering if, if he also thinks that a moat with snakes and alligators in it is a effective defense measure. Uh, he likely would. He, <laughs> uh, he had petitioned that the Korean War should be ended by nuking Moscow. 
Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, he was also, also a staunch conservative, so... Solid I, grasp of I know, Republican. you're all very surprised. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like conservatism and grifting go hand in hand. Uh, but I, which, I do... As it's been pointed out, this is the person who's like... Believes in a philosophy of, yeah, bootstrapping and that... All of the money you ever made was through grift and conning people. Oh, at one point he literally ran the uh, Music Man slash monorail scheme. Really? Of claiming to collect charity for inmates and collecting money from schools and churches and then just leaving town before the police could come and get him. <laughs> oh, God. So he was a literal... Yeah, he was a literal stealing from uh, orphans and widows con man. Oh my god, wow. And he parasited off of his wives and family his entire life and never paid them back when he got money. When he managed to get money. Well, of course uh, not, because he blew it all on hookers and booze. It's the blowing it all on hookers part that I love. That's the best. Yeah. Like, literally, he had millions of dollars. He blew it off. At least the money trickled down to the prostitutes. That's what I appreciate about it. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. sure that they were well paid for their services. When you blow your money on prostitutes... I, I don't sure. think they were paid enough. No. No, that's true. Definitely not. Because, yeah, again, yeah. his works are still popular now. Like, it's one of Newt Gingrich's favorite books. What? Yeah. So they really? didn't clue into the fact that he was a grifter and they keep obeying there, it? There are still, like, organizations that are, that, like, tend to his estate and s- claim his, like, noble story. It's apparently well-documented and exposed, though, that, no, this this guy never did anything legitimately good. Hmm. Well, I mean, there are people who always will believe the lie, despite however much evidence you will want to show them otherwise. Yeah. Uh, I forgot how we got on this. Well, we were talking about the ISF, which I do actually yeah. want to actually talk about. Sorry, uh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> no, that well, was this will be fun, whoever gets to edit. <laughs> we'll give you whoever gets to edit. It's me. I always edit it. You know that. Uh, um, that's all. No, but I mean, it, there, the fact that there is... Uh, yeah, so there was a there was a Twitter feed called uh, ISF, Ireland Simpsons Fans. Uh, it got very notable for... Even, you know, I see it all the time. Although, to be fair, I follow one or two actual Irish people, so that's part of why. I don't know if you guys have seen it in your Twitter feed. No, uh, I haven't, but I also haven't been on Twitter for most of this year, so... Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a... Uh, you know, it, it does memes involving the... Uh, the the Simpsons and but so they went out and became an actual political party. They are going to stand just a couple of candidates. Uh, they're arguing that basically there isn't enough, there isn't a, a, a robust enough left party in Ireland. Even I mean there are, but it's like the Labour Party, which is kind of a mess. Uh, it's that kind of thing, you know. It's it it's 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 a big tent, so it's torn by all these different factions and approaches. Um, as I say, they mention Volodymyr Zelensky as a possible uh, as a possible uh, influence. Um, the one thing that I thought was a little weird uh, was when somebody asked them, you know, which Simpsons characters do they identify with the most? They said Hank Scorpio, uh, the treat your workers constituents attitude of Hank Scorpio. You know what? 
I can get. I can see that. Uh, interesting. Because part of the joke there was that other than being, you know, in actual D&D alignment, evil and a Bond supervillain, he was a great guy and a great boss. Well, yeah. But isn't the whole point is that he was like that very early days dream of a silicon tech guru and oh it's such a great fun there, job and your boss. there's some of that but i read it more in that the joke is is that he's the opposite of mr burns right or it, that like oh yeah this is a great guy he's not deplorable in any way there is one thing yeah <laughs> he does her. wage actual war against the u.s government <laughs> Yes. Opposed to Mr. Burns, who is awful in all regards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's true, and I mean, he, he he literally, you know, he gives Homer the earth, literally Homer quits and he still buys him the, well, the Cleveland Browns, which are terrible. <laughs> in the, in the, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bad party gift in the world of the st- show, I guess. But they also make it clear that Hank Scorpio he is insane. I mean, let's let's be clear. Even before we see him as a, you know, a world-shattering supervillain, he's doing stuff like, you know, I didn't even give you my coat! And Homer looks up and he's got his coat hastily thrown on backwards. And then, like, Homer comes to see him later, he goes, you know, uh, I don't have any sugar for my coffee, and he gets sugar out of his pockets and says, need any cream? <laughs> like, he... <laughs> He is clearly not quite right, even putting no. aside the, the supervillain aspect of it. So, it makes me wonder if they've actually paid any attention to The Simpsons that they're memeing. But... No, no, I can see that, because I think part of the joke of the Hank Scorpio is like, well, why the fuck do all these people, you know, work for Bond villains? Right. And the joke right. would have to be, it's like, well, they must, like, have a wonderful... They must somehow, in every other regards, despite being insane and evil, be great bosses to endear literal, like, suicidal bravery and loyalty in their right. thugs, who are, like, willing to be gunned down and, by James Bond to protect this madman. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's funny, we were talking about... Um, we did on my other podcast, Avi, if you haven't heard it, we do, uh, Phil and I do a podcast called What Mad Universe, and we did look at all the Bond books, and uh, of course the 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 go-to original model for that is Blofeld, Ernst Stavro Blofeld. Um, his thing is just that he inspires horrible fear, but there's also the idea that, you know, that like, you know, if you stick with me, you'll become more powerful than anyone on Earth, basically. And, ah. and as we... As we pointed out, it, it it is this this very clear um, like they're pseudo communists, like it's a communist cell essentially. Okay. And I mean, early on, he's literally fighting communists in the like um, Le Chiffre is actually working for the communists in the original novel of uh, uh, Casino Royale. But then later on, for whatever reason, I guess because geopolitics were actually shifting so radically at the time Fleming was writing, um, uh. he, he went away from, like, just working for the KGB and into, uh, like, imaginary supervillain groups who worked, you know, they would work for whatever government would have them, including the, 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 the communist parties or whatever. But they were essentially the, it was the capitalist nightmare of oh no there are these people out there they're all ideologically devoted they're ruthless and you know they'll do whatever it takes and they're all fanatically devoted to their leader who will you know throw them into a pit of scorpions and they'll all just say oh we're carter next time 
my my dear leader. You know, it's that kind of attitude. My God, they're Walmart employees. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. not Walmart employees. Essentially, yes, or Disney Disneyland employees is the other possibility. Well, oh, Disneyland employees are definitely brainwashed. Walmart employees are not. They aren't? Okay. No. Well. <laughs> no. No, they know how bad they got it. Yeah, okay. they, they're fully aware how fake their smiles have to be. <laughs> Disney employees are, and I say this as somebody who actually did, in fact, work at a Disney store, It you, you are brainwashed. <laughs> you it, it, it is a mild brainwashing. At yeah. least at the Disney store. I'm not sure how bad it is in the parks, but at least at the stores, it's a mild brainwashing that happens. Because I yeah. remember talking with one of my coworkers, and she was like, yeah, remember there was this one lady, and she only lasted like a week because she couldn't take it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. you, you, you work there because you really love Disney. And yeah. if you don't really love Disney, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's yeah, really they, not going to work. It's funny because, yeah, like Walmart does not produce entertainment that we grow up consuming for decades before we go to work for them. So that yeah. probably marks the difference between the two right there. Th that, that's part of it. But also, you, you know, want, they don't You, you know, want to like Disney. Yeah, yeah you want exactly. to like Disney. You want to love Disney in some cases. But then it's like anything else. You just like scratch away at the surface and it's like. Oh, mm -hmm. you're garbage. Great. That's wonderful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> anyway, well, let's... Uh... No, no, I... As an aside, Bob Iger is the most soulless person I have ever heard speak. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen so... Eisner. I've never seen Iger do anything or say uh, anything. There is a lot negative that can be said about Eisner and has been. <laughs> but he at least tried. Like Eisner at least, you know, at least in lip service had an awareness that art is something good. <laughs> yeah. And should be strived for and that there's like, oh, it's like, no, you know, like, doing art is a worthy venture on its own. Bob Iger has literally said that art is a byproduct of the Disney Corporation making money. Yeah. yeah, yeah Whereas yeah. Eisner at least realized that making art can make money if it's good art. <laughs> like, that's yeah. what he knew. That's what he knew about but the Disney Corporation even before getting into Disney. So it's just kind of like... Uh... Iger has literally said that the art does not matter. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've I've seen that. Uh, I've seen. Uh, I know there was the Lindsay Ellis video that talked about that a lot, and the the Beast one that we talked about at one point. And yeah, they talked. Um, they tapped into Iger, I think, on that one. Although, if you can, you should watch another YouTube channel called Defunct Land. And basically, anything they've done about Disney and Disneyland and its various forms around the world all have to do with Eisner, and it's absolutely fascinating. Because, yes. again, he tried. He really tried to be a quote-unquote creative person. It's yeah. just that towards, I, the, towards the end of his career as CEO, he just had kept having failure after failure that it just sort of made sense why he stopped being CEO. So, mm. yeah. He did. Well, now, when you say failure after failure, I'm like, wait, when did Disney have failure after failure? I can't well, imagine. Well, maybe, I will, failure might not be the right word, but basically they just started to go closer and closer into the red in multiple avenues. Mm. Like, I guess it was Euro were, Disney. Euro Hon Disney was a factor, and then, like, Hong Kong doing, Disney. Hong Kong yeah. Disney. 
the the possibility of a Disney in Taiwan, which kind of like California Adventure, California Adventure, was... and then all of the movies that were made in a very specific like five year time frame between mm. the late '90s to early 2000s. Like, oh, when yeah, Home on the Range true. was made, like, yeah. nobody knows that movie, but it existed. And I still haven't seen it, and I don't want to see it, because the well, animators who made it didn't even enjoy making it. So... Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> there I, was... I, yeah. There was the attempt to build an American history-themed yes. Disney park. Yes. They wanted to build that in Virginia. They wanted to... Hmm. I forget what it was called. It was a Disney's bunch of America, I think it would have been, something like that? I think that was the working title, and a lot of people took issue with that because of how they assumed, a lot of people assumed it would be a very, very, like, cleaned-up version of American <laughs> history. <laughs> like, like incredibly polished. It's to like the point Mr. where Show nothing bad like, ever happened! Yeah. <sighs> it's like that Mr. Show sketch where it's like, we don't like to call them slaves, we call them helpers! You know? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yes. Um, let's talk about your favorite thing, which is the, uh, the professional clown for the redundancy meeting. Oh, yeah, that is a favorite one. And, uh, this just seems tailor-made for, for, uh, Ing. So, Ing, tell us, tell us about it if you want. There. Okay, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Auckland Adman hires professional clown for redundancy meeting. Yes. Coming from the New Zealand Herald. Oh, right, right. I heard this. Yeah. Okay. By uh, Damien Venutu. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. A Kiwi Adman has chosen an unusual support person to accompany him to redundancy meeting. Apparently in meetings where they basically uh, talk about a dismissal or that in New Zealand, you're allowed to bring a support member, a friend, colleague, or family member... Or someone like that to attend the meeting with you. In lieu of this, this person hired a professional clown to attend the meeting with him. <laughs> yes, I, it it was it was apparently they somebody had uh, it's not in the article, but somebody had a apparently he literally took out an uh, uh, like an ad, not a like a, a Kijiji ad or something, and said, "Look, I need a clown. I need some a professional clown to accompany me to, me to a meeting because I think I'm going to get fired, and you can be my uh, emotional support clown." So he did it deliberately yeah. just to troll the people who were going to fire him, basically. <laughs> yeah. During the meeting, the clown took out balloons and made a series of balloon animals, including hedgehogs, peacocks, and goats, which I'm really upset the picture doesn't show that, because I want to see <laughs> that. That sounds like actual really talented balloon work. I think generally they wouldn't allow photos in a meeting where somebody was going to be fired. <laughs> there oh, is wait, a photo a of photo. it taken through the door. Oh. Yeah, and everybody's faces is blurred. Yeah. Yes. As it would have to be to avoid major lawsuits, I think. But yes. Yeah, how do you make a... a, a the, my, the clown mimed crying when the redundancy paperwork was handed over. That's my favorite part, yes. But he knew... It feels like something George would do on Seinfeld. <laughs> yes, it does! It's a George Costanza move, move, you're right. Except we would horribly rebound on him somehow. But yeah, they'd hire the clown instead or something. <laughs> or he'd probably get Eric the clown from that one episode. It's understood that the staffer has, however, landed on his feet since this odd meeting at FCB, getting a new job at DDB along with his creative partner, not, not the, the clown. <laughs> 
They are set to start their roles next week upon returning to their birth country of Australia. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, he is a... He is a you know, there's still creativity in ads that this guy can come up with this, so that's kind of entertaining. Um, yeah, ironically, this creativity should have possibly made them reconsider firing him because it's like, <laughs> fuck, this would be a great ad. <laughs> it would. That's right. This Not... does feel like uh, something George would pull on Seinfeld that winds up by that he planned it as like a last hurrah, knowing he would get fired, and it winds up saving his job, much to his horror. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Like that episode where he's trying to get fired and it keeps getting him like uh, support from the boss. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The the jerk store called. No, he. Uh, I know that's a. That was episode. a different yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's it it, uh, it feels. I it does show that I think it's probably got nothing to do. Like it's a redundancy meeting, which I, and I, how great is that term by the way? Redundancy meeting. Like that's just. That's brutal. That's you the know most what easily it is. way of explaining. And he knew it was coming. Apparently, there's been a bunch of job cuts at the agency due to losing a big account. Right. So he had forewarning for it, and this is kind of more, from what I'm understanding, this is the term basically for, like, an outboarding, like... Yeah. ...meeting. It's like, you know what's coming, so... Yeah, but it's it's just you're like calling it. Oh, you've been made redundant is one of the most insulting possible ways to do it. Considering that it wasn't like oh, your lack of you have a lack of talents or variant. It's not that. It's just you know uh, financial maneuverings in the in the in the. Yeah, company. the redundancy is something made to make you know being shit can sound better. That really makes it sound worse. Yeah, because because I mean... firing it's like. That is a decision by the management. It's not necessarily about you. You can easy, even easily frame it as an offense. That it's like, oh, they fired me, those fools. Saying it's redundancy there is inherently putting it, oh no, this is about your intrinsic value. You're yeah, not needed. Exactly. Because yeah. there are, because any function you might fulfill are easily... <laughs> made up by any numerous other people. You're basically a carbon monoxide factory and we have plenty of those. Your job could be done by an especially clever chimpanzee. <laughs> exactly. I good it... day to you, sir. <laughs> they didn't call it a useless... I don't recall saying good luck. <laughs> they could call it a uselessness meeting or a <laughs> waste of human skin meeting. <laughs> the fuck off meeting. <laughs> Exactly. Well, the best was when they apparently, very briefly in the corporate world, they were calling it outplacement, uh, and they wouldn't. From what I understood, you would they wouldn't even just like say that's it, get your things and get out. It would be like they'd move you to an office for like a few weeks, and I think try to make it sound like they give you. I guess a chance to, like, make call. Like, in some ways, it's kind of nice that, oh, you can go into work and make calls and try to find a new job so that you're yeah, still keeping busy. Yeah, fuck it. That's actually, yeah, that actually sounds considerate, but... That, that's semi-considerate, This is one but... of the things that there's no way to make... It's a bad thing. There's no way to make it sound good, but redundancy right. is, one of the, is one of the ways you make it sound worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not it's, it's it shifts the blame away from the people doing the firing. That's the thing, you know. Anyway, but 
I uh. I just had a really bizarre thought for like a sketch or a scene that would be an Oompa Loompa's redundancy hearing with Willy Wonka. Because <laughs> at this thing it would be, well, we're going to have to let you go. You see, you know, we've... The uh, chocolate sales have not been great this year. What The economy, we need to cut corners. And frankly, we've decided that you're redundant. Literally, I have 10,000 other Oompa Loompas that both act and look exactly like you. You are indistinguishable to me. <laughs> there is literally nothing you can do that another Oompa Loompa cannot do. <laughs> well, the worst are when the ice raids come barging into drag you back oh. to, Loompa, Loompa, to Loompa Land. Yeah, um... Uh, weren't, they, weren't in the original book they were, like, African pygmies or something? Yeah. They, well, they were, they were... Yeah, that was the original draft. It got changed even in the book because it was too... Like, the editor asked him to change because Roald Dahl was a huge racist. Uh, but he... They are in the book from a place called Loompa Land where they they don't get... They love cocoa beans, and but they could never get any, and... Willy Wonka basically said, I'll pay you in coca beans. Come work for me in my, and work for food. And that doesn't sound like a creepy arrangement at all. And live in my factory forever. Take you away from your homeland. The, uh, the, 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 yeah, at least the, uh, the Gene Wilder version framed it there as, oh, Loompa Land is a shithole. Oh yeah, yeah, like no, it is. It actually is a mercy. It is a mercy to effectively smuggle these people out of this horrible place and into it and into England or wherever the factory is supposed to be in that version. <laughs> yeah, well, it was. I mean, that's that's in the book too. They talk about how the Loompas were all eager to leave, but it does. You know, thinking about it for five seconds and knowing that they were pygmies originally, you start to have a bit of a. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't that a been in the Futurama parody? Right. right. The uh, yeah. the uh, I can't remember what they were. Oh, um, the Grumpa Lumpas. Grumpa Lumpas. Yeah. Um, where the, he said they're practically slaves. They think they have a good union, but they don't. They're practically <laughs> <Right>. slaves. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <sighs> anyway, so which one do we want to move on to? Um. Yeah. Well, we could talk about the sci-fi. Um article which i thought was kind of interesting the sci-fi makes you stupid study which uh, you'll be you'll be happy to know has been refuted uh it's not true apparently um the study is i'm shocked yeah shocked <laughs> well it was not that shocked <laughs> you're shocked that it did make you stupid or you're shocked that it did not make you stupid no that it was refuted yeah well it's uh it was uh, published in The Guardian. The writer is Alison Flood. We should be giving the names for these things. Um, uh, but, yeah, there was a 2017 study which found that, quote, reading science fiction makes you stupid. Uh, they conducted a follow-up. They found that it's only bad sci-fi that has this effect. Um, basically, and, you know, to be fair, they did judge it as, like, did you read this and did you understand things like metaphor and, you know, narrative technique and well, the things that you would understand in a in a in a in any literary terms fair there seems to be a lot of people on the internet now who don't know what a metaphor is what a simile is what foreshadowing is like yeah. <laughs> like all really really basic standard narrative tropes that we all learn in high school english class or literature yes. class like well also we're not learning a 
lot of it. There, there's a genuine concern that despite being able to read, uh-huh. there's an inherent illiteracy problem. This is true. I won't deny that not everyone gets the same, at least in the United States, not everyone gets the same kind of education in every single school. Well, well this Especially is why, as yes. humanities and uh, English is devalued in yeah. basically all levels of education, we're getting the phenomena that's like, oh, we have a population where pretty much everyone can read, but... Yeah, well, that's why increasingly fewer people can read for comprehension. Well, that's right. why this uh, this this original study was interesting because they said that basically the they see they seem to have found that the science fiction caused people not to engage with the ideas. Uh, it 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 trig- like they had less to say about it. They and what they did have to say was not as deep compared to more of a literary story. But then they did, which I find kind of interesting, they did a control where they basically took a story and they changed, they said, I think, only one word. They changed the word daughter to robot. So it's like, right. my, my daughter was doing this, they changed it to my robot was doing this. Um, mm-hmm. So just to have, as uh, what's the word, a control group as 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 clo- right. tightly controlled as possible. And there was no discernible difference in that particular case. Um, huh. So... But it is interesting, going back to the original, that people, you know, weren't as engaged with the story. And it it wasn't commenting on the people or the kind of people who were reading the story, because it was presumably an arbitrarily selected group of people. It wasn't science fiction. Um, hmm. I, I don't know. I Do, mean, that, they would that, depending have... how it's done, there's a phenomena in psychology studies that since they pull from basically undergrad volunteers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not actually getting, like, a clear dissection of people. They're getting a clear dissection of the people who go to college and are willing to take time out to do such activities. Right. Yeah, yeah. The, the best they could probably do is maybe have a couple of controls for gender and race and maybe age. Um, but, yeah, that's probably right. about it. Those are really the only things they could probably control for. Yeah. Um, so. Well, I mean, the implication is, is it, for once it is what is being said in the, um, in the, the article, which is that, no, that, that type of fiction encourages you to think less about the literary meaning of what you're reading, as opposed to whatever, you know, scientific message might be in but it sort of implies it's trashy sci-fi anyway so it probably doesn't have like yeah i was gonna i was gonna i was gonna say what kind of sci-fi are they giving these people well this is what they're saying that's what they're saying so they say when they gave them you know something a story that had literary merit but was technically sci-fi that it didn't they didn't see a difference in how people responded. You know, they they were able to dissect it. You know, metaphor and theme and all that kind of stuff, um, as opposed to non-liter what they call quote non-literary sci-fi, which had there's a lot of subjectivity in yeah. The- I, yeah, I was gonna say, and not to mention that doesn't seem like a very good control. No, it's, exactly. It's- no, because it's the same text. It- yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be honest, this seems like I'm kind of bullshit through and through to the yeah. point that their control to debunk it, it's like, I don't agree with your initial result, 
but your debunk doesn't actually debunk it. Right. Yeah. I mean, and even to say, well, you know, they understood the literary metaphor. As you say, there's the literacy involved, but that's not the same as being smart, necessarily. Like, honestly, I've always felt that, like, I have a grasp of, you know, the qualities of literature of being able to figure out, you know, themes and metaphors, <laughs> but I'm kind of an idiot in many other ways. So that's a, just as they can say, you know, you can be a brilliant coder or something and be, you know, socially inept, or you could be, you know, a brilliant scientist in, you know, particle physics, but not know how to tie your own shoelaces. Uh, you right. could be great at reading and, you know, understanding literature and be an idiot in many other ways, as we have seen in a few real world examples that I won't name. The, uh, there's really no one sort of intelligence. Right, exactly. Yeah, there is. And there's... I really wish we'd fight that. It's like, even Donald Trump is in literally almost every aspect of possible human interaction a moron. Yep. Like, just bafflingly so, but has enough cunning in at least one particular field of being a huge asshole <laughs> that has at least made him <laughs> successful enough. Right. Like, what Donald Trump essentially has, and this is, again, very arbitrary, but it very clearly works, is that he has a certain kind of charisma that appeals to a certain kind of person. And right. unfortunately, those those people helped get him into office. So, well, and I mean, when we say charisma, we don't think of that as being a form of intelligence. But you're right, no. it is. it is intelligence of a sense. It's yeah. social intelligence. It's yep. the ability to... I sense I essentially play the person you're talking to, uh, and it's so that different than intelligence. emotional intelligence as well. Right, because emotional exactly. intelligence is entirely different. And some people would think that they're connected. That if you're socially intelligent, that means you're emotionally intelligent. No, that's definitely not the case. Right. So. Now, I will also say, even in the, the what, his one field of expertise, I feel that Trump is kind of a specialized idiot. He's got to, he has a few tricks that he does well. Yeah. But yeah. that's pretty much it. And yeah, and once, and once you know what those tricks are, they'll never work on you ever and, again. And it's pretty much lying. Yeah. He is good He it's, is good at lying, not in making believable lies, but uh, in making them so blatant and with such conviction that it seems absurd someone would lie about something like this. Right, yeah. it's not even lying, it's just insane amounts of confidence. Which is, in many ways, something that you know, you're born into because if you're rich and have all this importance and people are always telling you how great you are, um, yeah. you know, you're just going to ha naturally have that, which explains a lot of, you know, why, you know, wealth stays in a certain area and, and doesn't come down to the people at the bottom because the people at the bottom don't have the connections and they don't know how to bullshit their way around life by being, I'm the greatest guy and I deserve everything that's coming to me. Uh, which seems to explain how a lot of things happen to people, how a lot of good things come to people, because they just sort of went in and said, I deserve this, give it to me. And for some reason, people will give it to you when you do that with enough conviction. I assure you that does not work, and the bank will still not let me back in. You're not doing it hard enough, Ing. You are not. You you need to read Donald Trump's See, that's book. what I thought, but the petting zoo greatly disagreed, and I am not allowed back in there either. Yeah. <laughs> yes well anyway but science fiction i do want to so we can conclude that despite what we've learned for years science fiction uh is not affecting your intelligence so 
going to Jupiter will not make you more stupider. Um, nope. Anyway. Uh, speaking of, I don't know, uh, there's uh, an article. I just want to draw attention to the title. Um, I really have nothing to say about it otherwise, but this is a fantastic title. Cocaine in the River Thames is another problem eels don't need, says expert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is another one a lot of friends have sent to me since eel is my favorite food. Oh, really? Uh, How does unagi. it taste? Unagi. Oh, unagi. Yeah, I've yeah, never had it. Specifically uh, eel sushi. Unagi is river eel. Okay, all right. And it's just, does it taste it's like fish or does it taste something? It, I mean, it tastes. It falls under the broader taste thing of fish, but it's unique. It has kind of a good sort of oily taste, but that makes it sound unpleasant. Hmm. It's very good, and it's very tender. If you've so, never had eel sushi, it's Yeah, and just sprinkle some favorites. cocaine on there, and yeah, yeah wow. <laughs> hey, the eels no, don't never... need that. Experts say so. <laughs> that... That's one they don't need. I love that. This I makes love the me imagine tone. a really badass but ridiculous sequel to Chud. <laughs> the giant there it eels. Is, but, Bud two or Chud two, Bud the Chud. Yeah. Where he's a zombie for some reason. Right. <laughs> well, there's and there's alligators in the sewers, and there's giant rats in the sewers. So and the, there's eels in the coke. Man, there's a lot of stuff tins. that can wind up being like weird dangers in the sores. That's something that fiction could explore. Well, it has. There have been... There was the movie Alligator with, uh... What's his name? Uh, Robert, uh... It was that Tick episode that, that was a focus on the sewer urchin. Yes, sewer urchin. This was me trying things. to set up foreshadowing for later, Adam, and... Oh, it, it, oh okay. It'd ah, be appreciating enough. if, you know, if I... When I softball that one to you, you don't, like, immediately whiff it, please. <laughs> No, I whiff everything. You don't even know me. <laughs> I cannot take a hint. Um, well, okay. Well, we got to talk about this Wait, one. Uh, I'm I'm remembering that tick episode. There was a, uh, <clears throat> yeah, there was a character named uh, Lou Salazar, the sewers are. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, it's like gladly the cross-eyed bear. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> There's a there's a hymn called "Gladly the Cross-eyed Bear," but it sounds like it's. A I bear. don't know that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, <clears throat> well, we got to talk about the the latest one. Speaking of non sequiturs, um, <clears throat> there was a uh, one that just dropped. I think today, uh, which is the best uh, headline we've seen in a while, and it was a Newsweek, so it wasn't exactly a fly by night operation. Uh, it was a massive semen explosion after Blaze hits Bull Artificial Insemination Facility. Firefighters forced to dodge, quote, projectiles. Unquote. Come again? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell I, you, that I headline can't. is a real load of bull. Oh my god. You've oh been, god. I should never have gone down this road. We were all, yes. Lord knows that... <laughs> There's make I've heard of making bacon, but this is beef. No, that's beefing pigs. it. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I was I was forcing it. Oh god! I, I really hope that nobody actually died in this oh, place god. because that is not a 
Oh, informing the next of kin for that one is one I would oh, not envy god. anyone's job. Oh my god! Remember in the monkey's paw where their first wish is to get some money and then their their son immediately dies in a factory accident and they inherit the money? That's like... That's like the monkey's paw would do, just to be extra mean. He died in a bull insemination factory explosion. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you get $200, so it, it all evens out. 200 pounds. The fire had completely shredded the building. Um, okay, now, to be fair, in clarifying, the projectiles were not necessarily what you would think of. And why would they phrase it that way? <laughs> because okay, it because that, it, it was involved with that. What happened is that this fire started and the liquid inside the, and apparently this resulted in a cryogenic failure and you had rapid heating of genetic material that was stored in, you know, negative 20 Celsius or negative 80 Celsius things. So you had this really deep freeze liquids were suddenly rapidly heating and right. they're typically stored in glass ampules and actually I did not this job before but similar cryogenic <laughs> preservation and yeah you actually do have Bullshit. to oh, wait, you have no. to gradually uh, thaw them carefully so that you don't get an explosion and it can actually be quite uh, dangerous with even little vials because they can explode with great force if they suddenly get exposed even to room temperature. So you're saying it's not the size that matters, it's the... Oh, it's, oh yeah. Um, also, <laughs> apparently, the cryogenic cylinders were having, as there was all this rapid expansion, were having the lids pop rapid off expansion and being of from huh? the building. Yep. I'm sorry. I am so sorry. Yeah, well, we're all very sorry that this happened. Except no, God not damn so it! The Yarman Herd Services Committee Vice Chairman Aaron Thomas said the loss of 100 cryogenic cylinders of cattle semen will be a huge blow for the farmers. know what they're doing when they wrote this article. They 100% knew it. Huge blow is a direct quote from Aaron Thomas, too. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the cylinders are worth between about 300 to $1,000 per unit. Uh, the semen inside them varies in price. <laughs> and this is for a specific type of cow is that what it is is it like uh yes for artificial insemination for cow it uh, um the semen value will depend actually on the bull that it is taken from because <laughs> different uh bull pedigrees and different bull breeds will have different value uh, values and again i did not actually work in this field but i know of it because it's in my educational background in um agricultural and biological sciences um, stuff as stuff such as the bull's qualities, because for cross breeding and livestock, that you actually do not want to get inbred lines, and you want to ideally get uh, m mixes of various breeds 
to... You don't want it to just go all willy-nilly and... All right, but... Okay, so what they basically do is that they keep some breed lines effectively, air quote, pure. Or as pure as possible, because those breed lines have specific traits they're known for. And then if there's, like, a sudden need for, like, more muscle mass, or that in... Uh, a cow line, they will take specifically from that to introduce that in. Right. And if no. they and if they need more milk production, they'll take from specifically for that, and then you have a bunch of uh, bulls and cows that are more mixed things, and you judge it based on the bull and its production, and its children pr- children's production of, like, milk or meat or etc. So, parti- a particularly proficient stud bull whose children wind up being very effective at producing what they need, be it meat meat or milk, their semen can be very valuable. Right, no, yeah, I totally get it. It's the the fancy cow breeds that you want, and I mean, some of them might be like show cows too, right? There might be some rare fancy cows. Yeah, there might be. Like I said, you keep, in general, most of the cows you want will be of mixed breeds and just of general mutt qualities because you're trying to get an optimization right. of qualities and to keep for health. You'll keep some, like, just strains of basically the, quote, pure stock in case you need to suddenly, for some reason, breed in one trait specifically. You're, if you're, you're using the cow character creator and you're cranking up, like, meat, milk... Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> Giving it weird eyebrows, whatever you're doing with the cow. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you trace the lineages of the cows and bulls so you can see, okay, well, it's got this and this, and specifically also so that if you look there, oh, it turns out there's this health problem that's genetic. We need to crossbreed it with this line to mask that. Right. Or to try to breed that out. Like, a lot goes into determining cattle breeding, and artific- and because of that, um, the preferred method of breeding cows is via artificial insemination. Because it's, and there's no kind way to say it, easy to induce, and you can store it for a long time, and thus from one production cycle, you can get enough to inseminate multiple cows. <clears throat> the Barry White just can't measure up anymore. No. <clears throat> Interestingly, the way they do this... Um, okay, there I, are, I don't know if we want to... <laughs> there are dummy cows. Oh, right, I heard about this, yeah. Because, honestly, the best way to... If you just try to go in and do it yourself, the bull will not perform as well. You don't say... So, there is actually effectively either, um, either, like, dummies set up that the bull can mount, like a fake cow that has effectively a way to collect it from the orifice there, or sometimes a low-key version of there is that they kind of use a steer with a similar method. What? What's the difference between a, a steer and, and a, a steer bull? is a, a a steer is another live cow rather than using a dummy cow. Oh, okay, all right. 
But what is a steer specifically? Like it's just a another steer word for is a, cow. a castrated bull. Oh, okay. All right, gotcha. All right. Oh, okay. Uh, this reminds me of how the Minotaur was created. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. But actually, that, that they came up to be a thing that, as we learned it there, it's like, oh, you know, there's, uh, for some people, the claim that, hey, there's no homosexuality in nature. It's like, you know, most <laughs> of your hamburgers actually came from that. <laughs> I did not mean that the way I actually phrased it, but oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> hamburgers are what happens when two boy cows have a family. Yeah. Basically, well, you see, when one, when two boy cows are especially hoardy, and the farmer has a special bag collecting method. Um, oh my God, I cannot imagine being a cow farmer at this point. Jeez, the levels of animal, and there's probably a lot of it too, in any given situation. Yeah. Oh God, did you ever deal with that yourself, like in the field? I. At all? I have not had to do this myself. I did have to learn how it's done. Yeah, I mean, as you say, that's how the, we get the, the food. only the only and this is entirely metaphorical, not to be taken literally hands-on experience I've had with animal breeding <laughs> for that is with the pig farm and I don't know if this is standard for all but we did not use artificial insemination. We had um, stud boars that would actually specifically perform their duties and court females. Fair is enough. it true that uh, pig orgasms can last up to an hour? Yes, it is. Okay. Well, I've tried to time it. In the, anyway. Uh... <laughs> Believe me, I have that also had to learn the external signs of pig orgasm. Oh, God. <laughs> You've led an interesting life, Ing. If it helps, pigs tend to be uh, tender and passionate lovers, <laughs> both in terms of tender, courtship eh? and both in terms of coitus, but also in courtship and in post care. <laughs> yes. Well, what happens when there's thirty to fifty of them? Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> we're past that point. <laughs> that will never get old. Never. Never be tired of the 30 to 50 no. barrel hogs. I think um, maybe we're... Uh... Oh, I, I posted a, a page of my comic uh, the other week, and it had uh, a bunch of uh, swine men. I actually drew this, like, half a year ago, but I posted <laughs> it, you know, just recently, and uh, a bunch of people brought that to my attention. That it, uh, yeah, there are 30 to 50 a barbarian killing a bunch of barrel hogs, basically. Barrel swine men. So <clears throat> let's do the uh, the big one, the fi which I guess will be the final one, um, uh -huh. which is uh, the Joker. Jacobo jo Jacobin writes about the Joker. Um, Joaquin, what? Wa Boy, this is also the one I least want to talk about. <laughs> well, yeah, I know, I know. We're all, but really it's also the most Joker. topical. So, <laughs> well, but here's the thing: I don't. It's not so much about the Joker movie itself. It's the fact that you're reading this because the article is a Jacobin article by um, who's the Ar Aaron Friedman, uh, yeah. being Jacobin. Of course, it's sort of socialist in Tambra, and it's about Ronald Reagan more than anything else. And it, it uh, I didn't know this. And Apparently, the 
Go ahead. It's because it takes place in uh, 1981. That's the only yeah. reason why they would bring up Ronald Reagan. Yeah, I did not know it was set in 1981. That's interesting. So the whole article is some of the most spurious connections uh, that you could imagine. They do things like... Um, like he talks about because of course they keep comparing it to the king of comedy uh yeah. which was so the connection there is the king of comedy was being filmed in the early 80s at 1981 um it's clear this movie is somewhat owes at least a debt to the king of comedy um and then pauline kale reviewed it poorly apparently and somebody else compared her to ronald reagan and her in her outlook of film so that gets dragged into the article um some of the connections so it's very very much like i wanted to write an article about how ronald reagan sucked and all the damage he did how can i connect this to something people are clicking through on clickbait oh the joker movie of course incidentally ronald reagan you know what i can almost respect that because i myself will just plug into casual conversation stuff like, incidentally, Napoleon Hill was a combat, and yet was the basis of Ronald Reagan and Newt Gingrich and Donald Trump. Uh, as we have seen. Yeah, it, it's hard to, you know, it. it is very much a a guy who he wanted to talk about what he wanted to talk about, and yeah, this is what we're gonna. This is what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about Ronald Reagan and how he's the joke. He doesn't actually compare Ronald Reagan to the Joker. To be fair, well, no, he does. He says the except the irony is that the Joker arguably doesn't know how to use the media. We were just talking about this. Yeah. Uh, the 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 charisma of uh, you know using the the media for your purposes. The Joker, as I was saying earlier. My reading of the Joker and the reading people seem to have of the Joker is that he doesn't have any appeal to anyone else. Um, he doesn't. He's not funny. People don't mm -hmm. like him. He doesn't have the celebrity that he craves desperately. Um, yeah. And as a result, he takes it out on anyone by becoming a bank robbing murder clown. Um, so we're essentially seeing. So that's the opposite of Ronald Reagan. Essentially, it's almost like if the Joker knew how to actually charm people, he would, you know, become a politician. I guess pretty much. Or something. Pretty much. If you wanted <sighs> to uh, to argue about that one, um, but I do find that. And then, of course, you can say that by becoming a guy who does not give a shit about this and just became a nihilistic uh, monster, he developed a certain kind of charisma. In the same way Donald Trump did, I guess. <laughs> you can tie it all together if you want. They don't mention Trump in the article, to be fair. Um, no, they don't. They don't mention Trump at all. They do mention Ben Tide for Bonzo, which I do enjoy. That, that uh, you know, Ronald Reagan... I mean, what... what Ronald Reagan... But I, the movies Ronald Reagan was in are bedtime that I know about, are bedtime for Bonzo, and... The one where he says, win one for the Gipper. Uh, except he doesn't say that. Somebody says that about him or something. And that's literally all I know. Like, what else was Ronald Reagan in as an actor? Do you know I have no idea. Yeah. Like, I've, never just... looked, I've never looked into the filmography of Ronald Reagan before. So Yeah. It's so bizarre to me. Like, he was an actor. He was in quite a lot of films enough that he was a celebrity when he was running for office or running for yeah you know california and yet the one everyone remembers is the chip movie basically um i think he might have had a small role in was it St there's a western 
that I think he had a small role in. Okay. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Ing, you know any movies he was in at all? I have none. Yeah, it's that's wild to me that like like you know Jesse the Body Ventura uh, became the was he the governor of Minnesota at one point or was he just yeah. the senator? Yeah. yeah, and you can name movies he was in. You can he was in Predator for God's sake. <laughs> you yeah, know? I I was almost I almost decided to be a jerk to you, Adam, and was going to argue that Ronald Reagan was an ET. <laughs> To see if I could get you to believe that. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that would be oh, pretty impressive. I mean, that's why it was such a hit. The president, the then president of the United States decided to appear in it. As yeah, an no, he was, he was the NASA guy. Don't you remember? <laughs> that was Ronald Reagan. <laughs> he wasn't even playing himself. He was just going to be in a, back, in a bit part, apparently. Um, yeah. Just standing I'm... in the background, like you do. You know, you know what's fascinating. Bill Clinton, while president, uh, appeared in a Hallmark TV movie. Did you know this? No. He basically played, and it was a fictional. It wasn't a documentary. He appeared as Bill Clinton, the president, in uh-huh. a network TV movie. I believe it was a Hallmark Channel like movie of the week. Um, Why? I don't know. I don't know what the... Pl- like, you have to assume there was some political... He had a couple hours to kill while waiting for Epstein's plane to come <laughs> oh. in. Because, because Hillary Clinton has a professional impersonator. There sure. is a woman who makes her living being right. Hillary Clinton in everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's Timothy Bottoms, who's played Bush, uh, George W. Bush in a bunch of things, including That's My Bush, and... Um, uh, then when they made the serious 9-11 movie, he played Bush, too, which is hilarious. Oh, oh right. God. <laughs> yeah. But, because uh. um, he just looks a lot like Bush. And, of course, the the movie, um, was it called Dave? The one with Kevin Klein, where the president gets goes into a coma and he has to imitate the president and ends up doing a better job as president because he's just a regular guy. Um, Who cares about people? Mar- yeah, exactly. He was in a TV movie, 100%. And I'm like I say, I don't believe it was after he left. It was while he was in office. Office. He appeared at, like like in a cameo. All I can think of, excuse me. All I can think of is that the Monica Lewinsky thing was going on. He thought uh-huh. this would burnish his reputation with like people who watched TV movie <laughs> or TV movies or something. I don't know. Did he yeah, have that's impor- the constituents that he cares about. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> here's the thing. We always make fun of, oh, old people, you gotta get the youth vote. And it's like, yes, if youth, if young people went out to vote, they would dominate elections. But the problem is old people generally do dominate elections. So to say, oh, you have to appeal to old people is not wrong. Like, those are the big voters, generally speaking. I, I still don't buy this because I'm gonna be honest, if he wanted to do that... He could have fucking gotten five more terms if he brought back Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> yeah. And Is quite mur- frankly... I will draft Angela Lansbury <laughs> and, and, and force told- her to make more of this show. <laughs> <laughs> and truth Better be yet. told, that would actually be a decent way of getting the youth vote, at least from our generation. That's yeah, right. I fucking loved that shit. Uh-huh. I have never seen that show in my life, but yes. Uh, Isn't there an episode of Mirror She Wrote where Bill Maher is the villain? Is Bill there? Maher is a reoccurring character. Really? 
He's yes. more than one no, episode not, of Murder uh, not as Bill Ma- Not as Bill Maher, no. but he plays a reoccurring character. Yeah, he yeah. was an actor at that point, yeah. I think briefly they attempted to do a spinoff with his character. What? Oh my god! <laughs> the Republic would have been saved if Bill Maher had had that job instead of going on becoming... What was his reoccurring character? I want to say he was some sort of con man. I, I don't remember enough. That's I, I, I don't Orbeck buy it. Bill Maher is a con man as someone who, who grifts. I don't, I don't buy it. Because Jerry Orbach got a spinoff based off of his reoccurring character on the show, but his reoccurring <laughs> character was a P.I. Yeah. So... <laughs> My favorite... Yeah, I always love spinoff. Is there any word more thrilling to the human soul? But I, my, I always love when they try to... My favorite attempted spinoff is where they tried to do the Mrs. Columbo show. You, did you know about this? Because <laughs> no. in, in Columbo, you never see his wife. Like, he's always on the phone with her or whatever. She's like um, Norm's wife on Cheers. She's always off screen. So okay. then, out of the blue, they decided to do a spinoff about his wife, who you never saw. And she was played by... Um, uh, um, Oh, for God's sake! Uh, Captain Janeway on Voyager. Um, oh, whatever, the actor, whatever the actress's name. And or I know who you're talking about. It's fine. I, I'm yeah. blanking on her name as well. Um, but she was, yeah, she was going to play Mrs. Columbo in her own show, having never appeared on the Columbo. I'm sorry. Show. It looks like Bill Maher was only on it twice. Yeah, I. Th- that's that's wild. still enough time. That's still enough times to be reoccurring. And Let's to get fair. a spinoff, though, is kind of crazy, but I don't know. I, I may, I gotta say, I was probably misremembering that. You might have been remembering the fact that Jerry Orbach is I may got be his. confusing him with Jerry Orbach's character. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, you know, people have spun off on less. Like, people have had one episode of a show, but that was when it was like a backdoor pilot, right? They bring in someone to be... Um, to be a character and do an episode of a show that they're planning to spin off into something else. Like that one yeah. Star Trek episode with Terry Garr that they were obviously going to turn into a show. Um, <clears throat> and didn't. Um, that one's... That- oh my god, no, wait, I'm I'm kind of right. The second episode she was in is a backdoor pilot for another show. I do not think it would have starred Bill Maher, but <laughs> it was a backdoor pilot. Wow. Huh. Huh. So the the now was Angela Lansbury ever on Politically Incorrect or Real Time? Because that I don't think so. That makes me go. Oh, there's some interesting stories with those two. You know, (laughs) like (laughs) it was like, hey, remember the hey Angela? Remember when we did all that cocaine backstage? I don't think so. I'm looking it up now because because you've mentioned it. It should be easy enough to look up on her IMDb I'm, I, if she ever I'm humoring, I'm humoring Ing's desire to not talk about the Joker anymore, so that's why we've gotten off on this huge tangent here. Instead, yeah. I want to imagine just Mrs. Pot just snorting a kilo of coke. <laughs> She's in Hollywood. She just, be- just having a, a luminaire or someone like ripping open what looks like sugar packets from a diner and just pouring it one by one in her in her spout. Uh huh. <laughs> Fuck you, that's a funny image. Short answer is no, at least according to her IMDB page. She did not appear on either of Bill Maher's shows. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm imagining a version of Beauty and the Beast where Mrs. Pot is just doing (laughs) lines in every scene. Oh, God. (laughs) Thank the Lord, here comes a horn with lots of coke to me. I can't. I can't improvise a song, sorry. It's okay. 
you know the bit where the pots are all like going that's a whole other meaning uh well there's um I think I'm getting sick. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm already sick. So join join the club. Yes. All right. Well, let's uh, wrap it up there. Did I have? <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah. Anyway, it's it's just funny that you know they're trying to use a clickbait article about the Joker to talk about um, to talk about Reagan. Ronald Reagan and the bad things he did. So maybe this will be part of a trend of using superhero movies to talk about you know works of uh, to tackle important economic things, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Das Capital, or you know, for... Batman v Superman. Seriously, fuck Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> the destruction of the public sphere by Galactus. I I don't know. Uh, so maybe there's hope for clickbait yet. Maybe we'll maybe we'll no. all be okay. No, no, no. Okay, there's no hope. We've there decided is no, no hope. Well, on that note... Um, Clickbait existed I, before clicks were a thing. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> exactly. We're all born to die. World is a fuck. Kill them all. 1989. 410 billion dead cops. <laughs> I think uh, maybe we should wrap it up for the, the night at this point. I'm getting a little worn out. My throat's getting a little sore. You guys... Yes, much like the bull farmer intending to collect some semen, <laughs> it's time to wrap it up. Oh my god. What did the... Wait, what? That doesn't make any sense. In context, I assure you it does. Yes. I think we've all had a happy ending now. And... God damn it! <laughs> God damn it. Alright, so we'll stick some more stuff in there. Oh yep, my God. sounds good. <laughs> oh! Now everything, now everything is doing that now. We can't help it. Uh, I think we'll be wrapping it up there. Um... Uh, I think, uh, remember that, uh, Ing does Brand Echo, uh, the webcomic, which is great. Um, he's got a few other things on the, on the boil. Anything else you want to plug, Ing, that I can't think of? Uh, nothing right now. Okay. Well, Ing and I are definitely, we have something in the, in the works that we'd like to do as another podcast. It will probably be a fictional podcast. Um, so that's kind of cool. So that's something we're kicking around. Um, if you follow either of us on Twitter at Ing, at IngDammit or at Prankster36, uh, you will we'll be talking about it at some point, I'm sure. You can also follow Avi, Avi via Vey. <laughs> Actually, my my oh. Twitter has changed. Oh, okay. To? To, it is now Vasha underscore arts. Oh, okay. V-A-S-H-A underscore arts. A, A underscore arts, yes. Great. There's two A's and then underscore arts. Cool. Yep. All right. Well, there you go. If you need, uh, if you want to hear from any of us, there we're always on Twitter all the time because we are sick, sick people, um, and we're always looking for clickbait. Despite now we're, the fact that we're winding down the show, but maybe someday we'll be back. Um, until who then, knows? who knows? But it's been a wonder and a privilege to uh, do the podcast for everyone, and I uh, hope you all enjoyed it. Um, and uh, maybe we'll see you all someday. But I know that. You know, the cataclysmic events that surround us every day uh, are making it impossible to get off the internet. But uh, hopefully someday we can uh, we can get rid of clickbait and just enjoy each other's company. So log off and 
and go for a bike ride and enjoy the outdoors while you still can. All right. Have a good night, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right.